the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. There's a ring of truth that is unmistakable Knowing that you cannot find them all And if you listen carefully And sometimes even if you don't You can hear that sound Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. There is a freedom and a joy that comes for the person who knows who they are apart from Christ and who they are in Christ. You know, who recognizes their own bankruptcy spiritually without Christ and who understands their position that they have in Christ before God where they will be called holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight, right? There's a freedom and a joy that comes with that understanding. Today, Pastor Dan discusses what a contrite and humble spirit looks like. Have you ever been in the wrong and needed to apologize? It's a humbling thing that our spirits aren't prone to. We like to be right. God says it's the one with a humble heart and contrite spirit who trembles at His Word. That's the one He will rejoice in. We can forgive people because we know we've needed forgiveness. Not one of us is holy or righteous enough to stand before the Lord without Jesus in between. By ourselves, we're not worthy of any good thing. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. To have a contrite spirit means that you understand uh, your own sinfulness, you understand your own inability, you understand your own inability to stand before God in your own righteousness. A contrite person recognizes their own guilt, their own failure, their own inadequacy. It's, It's the opposite of pride. It's the opposite of self-confidence to be contrite. And that's where the, uh, the gospel shines, right? Is when you have a person who has a poor and contrite spirit, that's where the gospel comes in, right? A person who, who recognizes and understands that they are not good enough to stand before God, a person who, who, who understands that they cannot stand in their own righteousness or their own ability before God. And then to have the gospel come in and to hear that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins, to pay the penalty for all the things we've ever done wrong, for all of our failures, for all of our guilt, for all of our shame, that his blood takes away all of our sin and then his righteousness is imputed to us. Our unrighteousness is given to him, and his righteousness is given to us. 
And now we can stand before God in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. There is a freedom and a joy that comes for the person who knows who they are apart from Christ and who they are in Christ. You know, who recognizes their own bankruptcy spiritually without Christ and who understands their position that they have in Christ before God where they will be called holy and blameless and above reproach in God's sight, right? There's a freedom and a joy that comes with that understanding. Earlier this week, my wife and I, we took a trip, a quick trip, a little mini vacation down to Texas, and we were in Waco, Texas. And as we're driving through the city, uh, we saw a couple blocks over uh, Calvary Chapel. And so we stopped in there because that's what we do when we're on vacation. We see a Calvary Chapel, we stop and knock on the door and talk to him. So we stop at this Calvary Chapel. You know, it's like 11 o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday. And there's a guy in there mopping the floors. He comes over, he unlocks the door, and he lets us in. And this dude is like covered with tattoos. I mean, he, he has tattoos on his face and on his head, like the real deal, you know. But he also had just this tremendous joy, just the joy of the Lord. Uh, and we talked to him for a while, and you know, it turned out the guy had been in prison for a while, committed his life to Christ, he's born again. And you know, Jesus said, a person who is forgiven much loves much. And this guy loved the Lord. He loved serving the Lord. He's mopping the floors. He's got worship music blaring in the building over the sound system. Just a joy, a joy of the Lord, you know. He's a guy who just, he understood who he was without Christ, and who he is in Christ, and was just walking in the freedom and the liberty and the joy of being redeemed and being forgiven and being made a son of God, you know? God looks on favor, looks on with favor of those who are poor and contrite in spirit. And he says, those who tremble at his word, those who tremble at God's word, those who tremble out of a reverence, out of an awe. You know, there, there should be a certain soberness that we have when we come to the word of God because it's the word of God, right? Because God has given his word and we have it. God speaks to us. And because his word is like a two-edged sword and because his word is like a hammer, And because his word is like fire. Because his word is like a mirror to our soul. And because his word is is bread that gives us life. And because his word searches us, right? You know, you just sit with your Bible. You sit with your Bible in the morning. Cup of coffee. And how often just the word of God searches your heart. The word of God exposes, exposes your deepest thoughts. And so there's a sense of awe and reverence when we come to the word. We tremble at it. Now, in Isaiah's day, most of God's people were not trembling at his word. Most of God's people in Isaiah's day were just ignoring God's word. And doing their own thing. And doing what was right in their own eyes. 
and just kind of making up their own rules. In verses 3 and 4, the Lord will address those who practice just empty religious ritual without any heart, without any real meaning or reality to the worship. And, and he does this because that was what was going on with the children of Israel at this time. They, they were still keeping the feasts and everything, but it was all just empty religion. They were just going through the motions. It wasn't born out of a reality in their hearts. If you remember back in chapter 29, the Lord said that these people, they honor me with their mouths. They worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. God is concerned about the heart. Is our heart in it? Is our heart motivating us to worship for the children of Israel? Their hearts weren't in it. It was all just routine and ritual. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus called the religious leaders hypocrites. He called them actors. That's what that word means. You know, here they were the religious leaders and they wore the robes. And and Jesus says, you're just actors. You're just acting spiritual. You're just acting righteous. In fact, he described them saying, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. Outward appearance, they looked clean, they looked right, they looked godly, but that wasn't a reflection of what was going on on the inside. And their hearts, their hearts were far from God. And the lesson here that we see in verses 3 and 4 is that the heart of the worshiper is really what determines the value of the offering. The heart of the worshiper determines the value of the offering. Look at what God says here. He he makes a, a very dramatic statement here against their empty religion. He who kills a bull as a part of sacrifice, as part of the sacrificial system. This is how God sees it. He who kills a bull is as if he slays a man. He who sacrifices a lamb as if he breaks a dog's neck. He who offers a grain offering as if he offers swine's blood. He who burns incense as if he blesses an idol. You know, and and he's speaking again of those who are just doing this out of empty religion. It's just empty ritual. You know, it's just their, their tradition that they do. And again, you know, offering a bull, offering a lamb, bringing a grain offering, burning incense. Those were all things that were prescribed to do in the law of Moses. That was part of their worship practices. So they're still doing those things, but it's just out of ritual. There's no meaning to it. There's no heart behind it. There's no reality with God there. They're just checking the the religious boxes. And what he's saying here is if, if you do it out of ritual and your heart's not in it, it's adding to your sin. It's adding to your sin. Do you see that? He says, if, if you bring a bull, but your heart's not in it, it's as if you've slayed a man. That's how God sees it. He sees it as murder, right? If your heart's not in it. It's just making your situation worse. What you're offering is repulsive to God. And, you know, we might, we might think, well, at least they're showing up. At least they're participating. At least they're doing something. 
even though their heart isn't right, even though their heart isn't in it. And we might think, well, it must count for something with God that at least they're going to church and at least they're doing this and at least they're doing all these religious activities, even if their heart's not in it. It must count for something. Oh, God says, no. Not only does it not count for something, it counts against you. That's what God's saying here. And you're better off not doing it at all because he doesn't like hypocrisy. And so the lesson here for us is make sure your heart's in it. Make sure it's motivated by your your love for Christ and your gratitude for him. And if not, don't do it at all. Because you're just making the situation worse for yourself in God's eyes. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. Look at verse 3. Towards the end of the verse, he says, Just as they have chosen their own ways, and their soul delights in their abominations, they wanted to worship God their own way, not the way that God prescribes in his word and what they were choosing instead of doing it God's way, what they were choosing, God says it's an abomination to me. And because they were choosing their own way, God says in verse four, so will I choose their delusions and bring their fears on them. Because when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, they did not hear but they did evil before my eyes and chose that in which I do not delight. He says, these people chose to rebel against me. They chose not to listen to me when I called to them. They continued despite my warnings to them. And so God says, I'm going to choose then for them their delusions. And he's going to send delusions among them. Isn't that interesting? What he's saying here. Because they're, they're kind of making up their own religious rules. And they're ignoring what God has said in his word. God's going to send them delusion. He's going to cause them to believe in something that is a lie. And allow them to be deceived. You know, during the great, uh, the great tribulation that will come upon the earth. At the end of the age. Uh, we're told in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, you don't have to turn there, but we're told 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, it says, you know, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. So people on the earth at that time that don't receive the love of the truth, they don't receive Jesus Christ, that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them Strong delusion that 
they should believe the lie. That's a pretty crazy verse, isn't it? God says, because you refuse to believe the truth, I'm going to send a strong delusion so that you do believe the lie. And you're going to believe a lie is true instead of the truth is true. And he's kind of taken the choice away at that point. And here in Isaiah 66, the Lord says a very similar thing in verse 4. To those who reject God's word, who just ignore his continual warnings and persist on the way that they're going, choose their own way, he says he'll, he'll send a delusion. And I would say, too, that that's, that's true for people today. If they just ignore God's word, ignore his truth, choose to ignore the warnings, God may send a delusion to that person where that person becomes deceived in their thinking. This is the deception. Here's the deception that happened with the Israelites in Isaiah's day. And this is the deception that happens with people today. They get deluded and deceived into believing that what they're doing How they're living is accepted by God. That's the deception. That what they're doing and how they're living is accepted by God when really it's evil in God's eyes. And they're choosing that in which God says, I do not delight in that. I don't like that. And then you'll have people who will say, I think God accepts me. Just the way that I am. I think, I think it's okay for me to do this. And God will still accept me. And they're convinced of it. And it's, and it's a delusion. Verse 5 says, Hear the word of the Lord. You who tremble at his word. So now he's speaking to those of us who tremble at his word. He says, your brethren. So he's talking about brothers here. Your brethren who hated you. Who cast you out for my name's sake and said, let the Lord be glorified that they may see your joy. He says, but they shall be ashamed. So he's talking here about those who tremble at his word or or we might say true believers. And he's talking about those true believers who are persecuted by religious people. And the principle that he's talking about here is that empty religion hates genuine faith. You see that with Jesus Christ. It was the religious leaders who had an empty religion who hated Jesus Christ, who plotted to kill him and saw to his crucifixion because Jesus had a real relationship with the Father. Empty religion is threatened by genuine faith and hates genuine faith. Some of you I know come from families where there's religious people in your family. And they don't like that you're born again. (laughs) And when you bring up Jesus, they don't want to hear you talk about Jesus. Even though they're religious and they go to church, they don't like you talking about Jesus. And you might think, well, what's the deal? Like, you go to church. Like, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. Why is this so offensive to you? Because religious people don't like people with genuine faith. Makes them uncomfortable. Where you could speak to a stranger. If they're a brother or sister in Christ, man, it's like you guys have known each other your whole life. 
You know, again, we were in Texas. We talked to several people that were believers and just had great fellowship just in the middle of a store or at a restaurant, just talking about the Lord. There's an instant connection there with another true believer. But there's a resistance there with somebody who's just religious, right? And that's what he's talking about here. And what he's talking about also in verse 5 here, he's talking about the, the religious people persecuting the people with genuine faith, and they believe it pleases God. They cast you out for my namesake. They're casting these people out in the name of God, and they think it brings glory to God. You know, the Apostle Paul is an example of someone like this. Before his conversion, when he was Saul of Tarsus, remember he persecuted Christians, and he thought he was doing the Lord's work when he did it. He thought he was bringing glory to God. And the Lord says here, he says, those people, those religious people who are persecuting those of genuine faith, he says, they will be ashamed in the end at the judgment. Because what's Jesus going to say to them? Depart from me. I never knew you. Lord, didn't we do many wonderful works in your name? Didn't we work miracles? Didn't we cast out people in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. You who work lawlessness. Verse 6, the sound of noise from the city, a voice from the temple, the voice of the Lord who fully repays his enemies. Before she was in labor, she gave birth. Before her pain came, she delivered a male child. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. And here Isaiah prophesies of a day when victory will come easily to Jerusalem And she will give birth, so to speak, without pain. The city will be born again. The nation will be born again without pain. The Lord says here, who has heard of such a thing? It will be the work of God. In verse 8, again, Isaiah prophetically speaks of the nation of Israel being born in one day. And he's saying, who's ever heard of such a thing? And Israel was born politically as a nation in one day in our generation. May 14th, 1948. That's the day Israel was born politically. She has not been born spiritually. She hasn't been born again, right? You had a physical birth and you had a spiritual birth. You were born again. Israel has been born physically as a nation. It has not been born spiritually. Has not been born again. That spiritual birth, we're told in the Bible, will take place during the great tribulation period. Uh, In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel has a vision of a valley of dry bones, and those bones come back together, and, and skin and flesh comes on the bones, and then God breathes life into them, and God tells us in Ezekiel 37 that he's speaking of and describing the nation of Israel being brought back together as a nation. And God has started to bring the nation of Israel back together physically, but hasn't yet breathed his spirit into the nation of Israel. They haven't been born spiritually yet, only physically. That spiritual birth will come later in the great tribulation period. That's when they'll experience their spiritual birth. He asked me how I know. Truer than the finest 
That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of His life and ministry, from His virgin birth to His sacrificial death to His resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. Please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth. It's true.